I brought my timer up because I could go on and on. And so I'm going to set my timer so here it beep. It'll tell me when to land the plane, Melissa, land the plane. And also, uh, we're actually, since this is the concluding message on the Lord's Prayer, we're going to spend a little time in prayer. So it's also up here for us because we're going to spend five minutes in prayer. So, oh, one more thing. In the bulletin, you have the Lord's Prayer on the sheet. Is it up? I don't think it is. That's okay. We were having a problem with the, I don't know why my PowerPoint won't go, but I think it's just the Lord's will. Does anybody in here remember like back in the day when we didn't have screens and you just had this and all the like worship music was on the sheet? I loved that because I was a little kid and I could take it home like as a teenager and like worship during the week. And so I think it's kind of cool that actually our PowerPoint is our handout today. And so if you have a pen or a pencil and you like writing and you want to put things on next to it, this is it. And we're going to use it later. So make sure you have this. And I'm actually super glad that everything worked out just the way it is. But I want you to have that ready to go. So when Don said, hey, can you fill in for me on this day? I know you're moving because I'm in the middle of a move. Uh, he said, but could you? And I was like, yes, because the Lord's Prayer is actually really special to me. And so what I wanted to share, oh, see, I was talking. I didn't even start my timer. All right, start. That's how you go on and on. You just don't start the timer. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not been 20 minutes. All right, so in 2010, I had finished seminary at Princeton Seminary, and my parents had come, and we loaded two U-Haul vans full of stuff, and um, my mom and I and my dog were in the car, and they were driving this way. And so we drove from Princeton, New Jersey, to California. And I had just finished my NDIV. I had already had an MA from Knox Seminary, so I had a really strong theological foundation. And when I went, I was really studying to go on for a PhD for graduate work. And so I was taking some, I used to be honest, it was really hard, <laughs> some really hard classes. And... Uh, because I had transferred in kind of a year's worth of work, I was doing a three-year degree in two years. And that last semester, I was just overloaded. And I was, it was so much work that like, I had a calendar for every hour of the day, how it had to be spent, or I couldn't physically get the work. Like, it was the only way. And I did this for like four months, just every hour of every day accounted for. Work, 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 work. So I was exhausted, right? But I was actually, I was also spiritually exhausted because... Um, I had come from a really conservative set. Oh, me and this little guy. We're going to have time today. All right. We, uh, I had come from a really conservative seminary. I'm going to just wrap it on my ear like Mary. And, and I had gone to what some would consider a liberal seminary. And I just had my views attacked, even in class, vocally, to the point one time I went in the bathroom, cried, came back in the middle and held my ground, right? Like, but, and I learned what issues to skirt, you know? But it was hard. It was really hard. And by the end, I actually felt like I had been through a spiritual garbage disposal. And so I, I say it as a joke, but I, that's how I felt. And so by the time, you know, you pack your stuff, and but I had friends there, and you know, there was a lot of good things there. But the point I want to make is I was exhausted. By the time we got our stuff, now you know when you move into a house, like there's that point when all the stuff is in the house and the furniture is roughly in place and every but nothing is unpacked, you know? And so I walked into my bedroom with just a mattress, and I fell face down on the mattress, and I went to pray. And I had nothing. You have to understand, like, I went, I didn't go to seminary as a 22-year-old. I went there having already started a nonprofit, and I, I trained women leaders, and 
You know, I was a person of prayer. I spoke at events like people called me to pray. It was like what I did. And I laid down, and I had nothing. Like, I didn't even know where to start. It would be like being a dentist and sitting in the chair, and someone opens your mouth, and you have instant amnesia, like, I don't even know what tool to use. Like, I don't know what to do with your mouth. Or if you're a baseball player, and you stand on the field, and nothing, right? No rules of the game. Don't know what you do with a bat. Nothing. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I, I just heard from Scripture and Jesus told them, pray in this way. Thank you, Catholic Grandma, for putting the Our Father in my head from as little as I was, because back came, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it just rang through me. And I got through. And I started again at the beginning. Our Father. And I just felt through every word, our Father, our, my house, our, my family and friends, our, my church, our Father, who is in heaven, heaven. And literally, for the past nine years, I lay down at night to pray, and that's that's all I got, the Our Father. I, I mean, I used to pray like kind of like freestyle prayer at night before. I prayed during the day, and I could pray in all kinds of different ways. But when I lay down at night, it's almost like the Lord had to totally undo me to give me a new style of prayer. So I pray God doesn't have to totally undo me for everything, that I would just listen easier, you know what I mean? But for this particular thing, he just wanted to teach me a new style of prayer, I think, and a new way to pray. And it's totally fine to pray to Jesus freestyle. Um, but this is what God's done in my heart. And so literally for nine years when I lay down at night, I've just gone through the Our Father. And so today I just wanted to share with you, actually it's kind of funny that Don asked me to do the concluding of this series because the conclusion of the series, if you look at your sheet, the very last part in brackets is for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, my, my good Catholic grandma didn't teach me the ending of the Protestant Our Father, <laughs> the Lord's Prayer. And so from junior high on, when I started going to youth group, I would say, you know, forgive us our trespasses, right? And I get to, amen. And they'd keep going. And I was like, oh, right? And it took a long time. I still get the words backwards. <laughs> if I say them backwards, go, oh, my God. Right? Because, and so the funny part is, I was excited to share with you on the Lord's Prayer because I know the Lord's Prayer. I've been spending time in the Lord's Prayer. But you know what? I'm still getting to know God through the Lord's Prayer. I'm still getting to know it. And all week long, actually for several weeks, I've spent time looking at and studying this end part that clearly the Lord's like, you need to know this part better. And so first of all today, I want to share with you um, what I've been studying and what I've learned about uh, this ending, a doxology. And then we're just going to go through the prayer as a whole. It's, our review, it's kind of our last week, and we're just going to go through it and kind of lean into it and go through the prayer. And then prayer is a spiritual practice. And so it seems kind of odd if we just talk about prayer, but then we don't stop. And so we're going to stop and make time. We're actually going to spend five minutes in some nice music we're going to play in the back, and we're just going to 
individually pray through the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll close. So as we get started, for thine is the kingdom and the power. See, I like I had to look at the sheet. <laughs> I don't want to get the words backward for you. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, literally, if you were just kind of look at the Greek words, you would read something like because. So we get through the Lord's Prayer, um, and then it would say because yours is the kingdom, of you is the kingdom, and the power, or that word also means ability, and the glory for the ages, and in classical Greek, Aristotle took that word and meant always being, God is always being, God is forever and ever, and the word amen means truly. It's when you, you know, congregation says, and all God's people said, amen. oh man, you guys need some more coffee, and all God's people said, amen. all right. And it means truly, we're in agreement, we're saying amen, truly, yes. And so that's what the words of this prayer actually kind of literally mean. Now, do you see on your paper the brackets? The reason there are brackets here, and sometimes if you read your Bible, maybe, has anyone noticed, sometimes there are brackets, sometimes some Bibles italicize certain words, usually at the end of something. Um, it's because we have a lot of manuscripts of these texts. And God's been so good to us that we have a lot of early, early manuscripts. And so we can feel very comfortable, I feel very comfortable, in the reliability of our text. One thing that scholars have noted is in our very, very earliest text, these words aren't there. And so what they think is that very early on, uh, Christians added this as sort of the amen to the end of the Lord's Prayer. We have no proof for that. All we know is it's not in the earliest ones, but it's here. And God has it in our word for us, right? And even if an early Christian added it there, um, it's still good to know and good to say because God allowed it in our word for us to say. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, one of the things to know about this doxology is that early Christians adopted many Jewish worship practices. And one of those practices is that a prayer usually ended with praise. And so some people think that the end of this prayer is modeled after, an example would be 1 Corinthians 29, 11, which reads, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Now another kind of parallel of this can be found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which this was probably written probably even 200 years before Jesus, but it's contemporary of his time. That time's called Second Temple Judaism. And this part says, yours is the might, and the battle is in your hand, and there is no God like you. And so you can kind of see there's this kind of emphasis building, like, you're the great one. We love you. Uh, you're the, well, actually, they don't say we love you. They just say, yours is the power, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, right? It's a praise of who you are and what you do. And also, another idea is you know how sometimes there's congregational response? Like when I say, all God's people said, Amen. right, you know what to say when I do that, right? Well-trained Baptist, uh, post-Baptist, well-trained non-denominationalist, right? And this may have been where the person preaching or speaking or sharing would say the Lord's Prayer up to, um, and do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then the congregation would shout out, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? 
And that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That when you hear the praise of God, the congregation would spontaneously shout out whose is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? That's a cool thing. So that's one option. But what we do know is by the early 100s, this was a standard part of how um, the prayer was said at, at like a church service or in someone's house church. Now, so that is the doxology, the end. But I thought what we should do, since it's the concluding week, is we should just start back at the beginning and lean into the prayer. Just like I said, that day when I was sort of flat out on the mattress, which, by the way, I find gross because I had no sheet over the mattress. That's another point. You have to know how exhausted I was. And on that day, I just said the actual Our Father. I just went through the words. And remember I said, I went back to it again in the beginning, and I went through each word, each phrase, and I just leaned into it and sat with it. And that's actually what I do at night when I pray. I just go through each part, and I lean into it. Sometimes I think about it. Sometimes I ask God, well, what do you mean by your name? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm praying it, and I get it, and, you know, I, I know the books, and they are, but still some part of me is like, what do you, what's the richness of knowing that? Or what about your kingdom? What do you mean by your kingdom? I spent years just leaning into, what is the kingdom of God on earth? And so we're going to do that right now. We're just going to go through and kind of lean into it. Our Father. Our Father. Most Jewish priests prayers addressed the needs of the community. So funny, I had been so often praying before I found myself flat out on the bed. Jesus, me, me, Jesus, right? That's all, that's really how I'd been praying, if I were honest. And what did Jesus start me out with? Our Father. It's a communal prayer. It's a father to, it's a prayer to remember that God is my Father, but he is our Father that I am to be praying for us as a group, that I am part of a group of believers, that I'm not alone. I am never alone in Christ. I am part of a group. Our Father. I have a perfect daddy. I have a perfect father. My dad on earth has always done his best. But I have a daddy in heaven who is ever-present, ever-loving, ever with me. Our Father, who is in heaven. You know, heaven is a real place. Who is in heaven. Heaven is a place that exists. I don't know how to get there except through Jesus Christ. But we are told, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. What in the world does hallowed mean? I was, I was glad when we went through it, and I'll, I'll remind us again, but I remember when I started praying through this prayer, I just sat there, hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Like, I looked it up. Hallowed, hagiesai, it's Greek for, it's kind of a Greekish version of holy. Separate. Now, you know in your Bible where it talks about saints, and all the saints, right? So as as someone who teaches Greek, if I could have the Melissa translation, we'd get rid of the word saints, and you'd put in the words holy ones. Saints just French for holy. But we like saying it, and so in the church, all our translations say saints, but actually it just should say holy ones. And so the thing that I want you to take away here, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. The word holy means separate, set apart. And on a side note, 
if we are the holy ones, do you know that God has chosen you to be holy and separate and set apart? The word holy is for an instrument used in his temple. You are an instrument being used in the kingdom of God. We don't often feel that way, do we? But it's the truth. And in this sense, holy be your name. Set apart be your name. High and lifted up. This is why we're not supposed to, you know, just casually throw God's name out there, especially in a curse, right? Holy and separate and sacred be your name. And what is that name? One of the most basic names for God, the most fundamental names we have is Yahweh. And scholars who translate things like Yahweh tell us that Yahweh is a way of saying um, God is the one who is and was. And some will add, will be. Holy and separate and sacred be your name, Father, because you are the one who is and was and will be. And what does that mean? In, in the Hebrew world, a name meant, um, it also symbolized not just a name like, hey, my name is John, right? And I don't honestly know what John means off the top of my head. I mean, if someone's name is Joy, I can be like, oh, Joy, you know, I know what your name means because your name is also a word that we use. But in the Hebrew world, the name also was supposed to reflect the character or personality of a person. And so when we say, holy be your name, God, what God is saying is not just holy be the actual letters of your name, that's fine. He's saying, holy be the one who is and was and will be. That's so important because when we lay down to pray, we need to remember, holy is the one who was with me in that situation, who is with me now and will ever be with me. He is a good, good father. Psalm 20, verse 7, actually chose the King James Version for this because it retains something that is the way that we hear it said often. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God the one who was and is and will be. He is the one we can trust. And this is what it is, hallowed be your name. And this is what it is to just sort of lean into that. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom, not my reign, not the reign on this earth, but God's kingdom come right now. What is that word? It's peace with God. And how do we have peace with God? Through Jesus Christ. Peace among people. The Bible tells us in when uh, God's kingdom, the lion, will lay down with the lamb. And peace within the earth. We're told in scripture that even the earth groans under this present dispensation, meaning since the fall. And it's not just a prayer for the second coming, though, come Lord Jesus, come. It's a prayer for the coming of the kingdom in my life right now. The kingdom is something that will be, and the kingdom is something that is through each of us with the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so I actually was thinking, what's a good example of kingdom, the kingdom in our lives? And I actually thought of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The kingdom of God living out in my life is when the fruits of the Spirit are in my life, when I am a peaceful person, when I have God's love filling me and shining through me. Your kingdom come, Lord. Please bring these things into my life. Your will be done. Your will. It's really interesting 
here that the spot where our requests naturally fall, I feel like a lot of times when I go to God in prayer, I'm like, Lord, I would like blah, 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 and these would be best, thank you, right? And what I really need to be saying is, Lord Jesus, here, your will be done in it. And sometimes his will is a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's a wait, <laughs> right? But when I pray your will be done, I'm, I also really need to trust and know in that name, don't I? That the one who was and is and will be can see outside of time. Wasn't it like Garth Brooks, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? He was like for a girlfriend, he's really glad that didn't work out. And how many of us have prayed at a certain time in our life and then later we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, we're not answering that prayer. And then there's those prayers we think, well, why didn't you answer that prayer? And we just have to trust that he will be with us and guiding us through each season because he is holy and he is a good father. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's kind of a phrase, right? Heaven on earth. But as Christians, oh, see? It's telling me. We can have heaven on earth now through the Holy Spirit in us, right? Because we can have his love, his joy, his peace, which is not as the world gives us, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness. And when his spirit lives in us and it shines through our lives, this is what comes out. This is the kingdom of God amongst us. Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, I feel awkward praying to God for like my little stuff. There's such big things going on in the world. I just want to affirm to you that your father in heaven cares about the little stuff. Matthew 7, 9 to 10, Jesus says, Or when is there among you, or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? What's the point? Your father in heaven knows what you need, and he wants you to ask. He cares about all the little stuff in your life, because to you in your life, it's not little stuff, is it? Give us this day our daily bread. And Pastor Don had shared, it's trusting God to provide what we need and then to be thankful. And this thankfulness helps us to be generous with other people. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, it's funny because in my Catholic grandma version, I've learned forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? And if we change the trespasses to sins, it's kind of more contemporary to help us know what it says. And as forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And as Ken had shared with us, what's the big deal about sins? Well, it breaks the relationship with God and others. And we need to fix that or the sin just carries on, even from generation to generation, right? I need to pray and say, Lord Jesus, I have a propensity to do this. Help me to stop. I don't want my daughters to pick that up. You know what I mean? And I don't want to hurt other people. And I don't want to have a broken relationship with you. 
Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. But forgiveness is hard, isn't it? So I want to share something with you, if you'll do with me. If you'll put your hand out. I want you to think of somebody that you're mad at or you have been angry with. That person right here. You got it? Clench it. This is unforgiveness. We're holding them in prison within ourselves. And we don't want to let it go because then it's like what they did doesn't matter. We're not going to give them a pass and we hold it. Now make your fist tight until it hurts. And unforgiveness actually only hurts us. What God is asking us to do is to give it to him for the one who is just. And he says, I will take care of it with that person. I will deal with that person. Trust me to be God in this situation. And we release that person into God's care. Being in the hands of a holy God can be a scary thing, can't it? But we can also overcorrect. Remember in the, in the Bible, there were the disciples. There was a moment where they were mad about something. They said, burn them, Jesus. And he was like, no, whoa. Right? But we can trust God with this and open our palm. I even got from squeezing so tight right now, I've got marks in my hand from my nails. And then I can receive healing from Jesus for even how I've hurt myself through the unforgiveness. But it is a release of that person or to God. And in my prayer, when I've leaned into forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, I sometimes even just imagine that release. Here, Jesus, I hand this to you. Please even heal me from my unforgiveness. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don covered it last week. (laughs) We've all got temptations, right? And this is the part where we name it. Lord Jesus, mm, here, mm. (laughs) help me. Deliver us from evil. You know, there's a very real devil. There's a very real evil in the world. But I want you to know you don't have to be afraid of it. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And this is where we address that and we pray for that. And here's our part. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before we had a plea, Lord, your kingdom, God, bring me my needs. And now it's a proclamation, not a plea. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Amen. I believe and I trust. This is the part where even when things are hard, we say amen. It's the part where we say it and we just say, yes, Lord, I believe. Forgive my unbelief, but I believe, right? In faith, we say it. We say, thank you for hearing my prayers. Thank you for answering my prayers. Oh, we just lift it. And so now, I want to just take a second. You're like, whoa, we're going to go from up here down here. But I want to take a moment to practice prayer. Prayer is a spiritual practice. It's just like um, Josiah, something fell in the folder and it said violins, but there were no violins going to play today. And I aspire to someday to play violin. I haven't started. And so I realized that, um, you know, I may never make concert pianist, but, you know, I, you never know. I might be able to play with the band someday. But I can have to practice violin. If I were to pick up a violin right now, it would not be a pleasant sound. Right? But with enough practice, I become comfortable, and I can even play a tune and maybe play along with someone. 
And prayer is the same way. It's something we have to practice, and we keep practicing, and eventually we feel more comfortable. And so we're right now, we're going um, to have some music, and we're gonna, I'm going to set my little timer for five minutes. And some of you are like, five minutes? And others of you are like, oh, five minutes, I can do five minutes. Pray through. Maybe you're going to need to do like I did that first time and literally just pray the words. I just went through. And when you get to the end of it, start over and maybe lean into them. Our Father. And we're just going to take a time of quiet meditation, and I want you to get your sheet. Maybe you know the words already in your head. And let's just take five minutes and pray through the Our Father and lean into it with the Lord as a prayer practice. And when you get through it, just start over again. We're just going to keep going through it. And when we come to the end of the five minutes, I will come up and say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask you how it went. Let's start. And so as we close, I want to say there might be some of you in here you're in a really good place with God in your prayer life. And so I just want to encourage you to use the Lord's Prayer as a prayer practice to go from joy to joy, right? And there might be someone in here right now, you know, you're doing okay, things are okay, and you're feeling kind of lukewarm. And I want you to know God wants you to be hot. He wants you to be alive and on fire for him. And we can, we can go through the Lord's Prayer as a practice to help us be filled with his spirit and think, I mean, these are, this is the way Jesus said, pray in this way, right? Like, so often we pray, Jesus, do I go to the right or the left? And we do whatever he said, we hope. And he's like, pray like this. And so he's saying, pray like this, come to me, pray. Or maybe you're kind of like me that day when I was face down on the bed and I had nothing left. And you're like, I don't even know how to pray right now, God. Pray in this way. Pray in this way. And so I thought to close, maybe we would just say the Lord's Prayer together as a closing. Congregational style, right? So if you would just join me, let's close by praying the prayer out loud together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.